the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it is an interesting day, interesting day for sure. Uh, We will talk today with two of our old friends. Ted Malik, of course, is a, an award-winning uh, bio, uh, excuse, biographer, yes, and historian, also a businessman, and he writes a column, writes regularly, and a column running most recently over at uh, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. We'll catch up with him. And then another guy we haven't had on the show in a long time, Mark Schneider, at SubSchneider on Twitter. He is the guy who is among a handful, less than a handful, really two or three men, Maybe there's a woman in there, but two or three leaders who have uh, sort of single-handedly redefined the question of nuclear power in America, um, making it so that when you talk about Generation 4 nuclear, you now know, most people do, that it's the solution. If you want to get carbon neutral, you go with nuclear, Generation 4, which won't melt down and actually consumes its own waste. It's a crazy and amazing thing. So we'll talk with Mark Schneider. It's been a long time to catch up. Before we do that, let's get to what you need to know today, what you need to know today. And every day you can go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up to get a daily email. Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. East Coast, uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time, you'll get the daily wink, what you need to know in your inbox. And if you sign up at ProAmericaReport.com, I don't sell your email address. I don't give it away. don't charge anything. It's just a service. give you a couple of links, a couple of stories, often a link to uh, one or more of the great segments on this show. And all of that comes in your inbox. So ProAmericaReport.com. Today's what you need to know. You may think we were getting ready to talk about election results, and there, you know, up in New Jersey, uh, there's a uh, upset of a senior uh, leader in the Democrat Party, a state senator. I think his name's Sweeney. He lost to a Republican for state senate by a few thousand votes. Uh, total upset, amazing thing. But that's not what I want to talk about. It's not even Yunkin or anything in Virginia. There's lots of coverage of that. All the all the coverage right now of the establishment is trying to position that it's not Trumpism that won. It's uh, really good candidates who distance themselves from Trump. It's crazy. It's nonsense. Karl Rove has a piece like that. Others. Uh, no. Today I want to talk to you. What you need to know is uh, John Durham, the former U.S. attorney, uh, or I guess he still is in Connecticut who has the Durham uh, investigation ongoing. Uh, Earlier on Thursday, there was an arrest of a man who is described as one of the key sources for the Steele dossier. And so his name is Igor Danchenko. And he's been indicted in the Eastern District of Virginia, federal courts. Looks like false statements, lying to the FBI, other stuff. Here's what you need to know. The Russia hoax... The Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, it, it was revealed as a hoax by Mueller, right? Remember what Russia, what the Russia hoax was supposed to be was that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians for the, for the election, right? That was supposed to be, that was the, the origins of the, the Russian investigation. That was what the, that was the spin that Hillary put on losing the election. And for the better part of a year, she went around saying the election wasn't uh, legitimate and she drove Democrats to believe that was true. 
So that was the origins. But what the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax became was this absolute just boondoggle. When the Mueller report was done, the, the Democrats had to admit there was nothing there. But now when we look back at what happened, so many pieces of this are as uh, despicable as a moral matter and undeniably unethical and perhaps illegal. What do we have? We have a foreign agent, Steele. He was a CIA. He's a, the British version of the CIA. Uh, he was in there, in, in their version of the intelligence service. I'm not sure which division he was in, but he was, for many years, an intelligence agent of the British government. Here's a tip, pro tip coming. When you're in the CIA, when you're in the British version of their intelligence, whichever division he was in, when you're in the, I don't know, go back, KGB, when you're in the Mossad, you never are not in the intelligence community, how we say it. It's one of the reasons why it's so insane that MSNBC and CNN put Brennan and Clapper up on TV and let them talk uh, like they do. They both lied. They admitted they lied to Congress and lied in other places. But, you know, you never are out. It's like the mob. You're never totally gone. So Steele is a British agent. I think he says he's retired, but who knew? And he had a big company. He got paid lots of money. It looks like by the Democrats, if not directly by Hillary's campaign, by somebody. And then they went out and made up stuff. Now, it's one thing to make up stuff in political theater. And the Steele dossier might have been political theater. It might have been like a, you know, like a, a, an old-fashioned political hit job. Except what happened with the Steele dossier is that they used the federal government to validate it and then use it against a sitting president and use it against a candidate first. So the Steele dossier is, is the perfect, you know, it's a perfect emblem of corruption in America because it wasn't just a political hit. It was a political hit that was then used to get FISA court applications filled out, lied about. It was, it was used to, to uh, open an investigation uh, open an actual investigation into the Trump campaign. You know, the, the, uh, the what was it called? The, the, uh, the oh, crossfire hurricane. They actually opened up an investigation. So the people who lied in the Steele dossier, and we're finding out more about this, now this Igor, uh, uh, Igor Danchenko was arrested, and Sussman the lawyer was arrested, and we have a Kleinsmith, an FBI agent, who pled guilty, I think it was, took a plea deal. And what we're getting at here is that the connection between the political campaigns and the use of government force. Now, this is not unheard of. It's, a, it's, it's inappropriate. Don't get me wrong. But it's not unheard of. I mean, I think you can go back in time and you'd say this kind of corruption exists. But we're seeing what many of us did not ever think we'd see, which is we are getting to the bottom of it. And what you need to know is this leads right to Clinton, Obama, it leads right to the Obama White House, where Joe Biden was, and Lisa Monaco was, and Susan Rice was. Lisa Monaco is the number two at the Department of Justice. She's running everything. Merrick Garland is a, what, 70-year-old retired federal judge. He's not energetic in the way that, you, you know, I mean, he's, just, he's a figurehead. And the number two there is running everything. That's Lisa Monaco, pure insider Democrat hack. That's my assessment of her. Susan Rice, pure insider Obama hack. They're running things. 
And all of this Steele dossier goes back. And so when we see that there's indictments for lying to the investigators and covering up, what it means is, remember, what, it, what this is important, what it means is they know that they lied. In other words, you can't speculate that, uh, oh, Igor Danchenko was not very helpful. You know, I didn't like that. No, they know that he lied. They've got something that shows that he lied. That means they know more than we know now and that Igor Danchenko knew when he was being questioned. So they have a fuller picture and it's coming into focus. And here's, here's another little piece of this puzzle. When Biden won, use that term loosely, when Biden became president and, and there was a new president, it's natural, especially because the Democrats are better at this than Republicans, it's natural that the forces of power that lurch towards the new president would make it harder to pursue some of these challenges. That's natural. You can say it's not fair and right, and that's true, but it's natural. But it looks like, and then this is the important part, by now, 10 months into this uh, presidency, Joe Biden is so weak, his reputation is so bad, his, his persuasive power is so broken, he is not a force to be reckoned with. And John Durham appears to be getting all the pieces in place to explain what happened. Now, do I think it will end up being, you know, uh, Susan Rice uh, sent to jail? No, I don't think so. But it may give us a sense, a fuller sense of the scope of the small c corruption, the use of power and government by Obama's administration and by the FBI against Trump and his administration and we the people. And the solution for that is probably only a political solution, meaning Democrats will lose more seats in, in the House and Senate. They'll move, lose more governorships. They'll lose more uh, races because they become the party of corruption. They become the party of, and this is not a, it's not a it's not a perfect analogy by any sense, but it's it's it, it will make you think in the direction. They become the party of Watergate. There was a period for about two cycles in the seventies where, if you were a Republican, you were in the party of Watergate. It didn't matter if you were a Boy Scout; your party was the one that was uh, was bad actors. And it took about five years for that to wash off. Reagan really broke it uh, by the time he became uh, uh, president. But the Democrats are in in they are they are becoming the party of the corruption. And I think Durham is going to give us a view of that that is going to make it clear exactly how bad that is, how bad it was, how abusive it was, how over the top it was. And the only thing you should really fear is that they can't be stopped and they won't be stopped now. Because I don't think that they their instinct is ever to stop. In other words, I think that they, they would use it again today if they can. They probably are to make it miserable for the people that are their opponents. You can see that. So it's a good day. This What you need to know today is it's a good day that we got. We're getting the picture. We're getting a clear picture of the corruption of the swamp as it relates to the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. That's a good thing. That's a good day. That's what you need to know. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to uh, follow all of uh, these segments. Sign up for the daily email. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Ted Malik. Uh, Dr. Ted Malik is, of course, a noted author, a biographer, historian, and also a businessman. And uh, I need to ask him before we get to his piece, it's in American Greatness, about his experience uh, living in the UK and what is happening with this crazy climate conference. Um, it looks Russia wasn't there. China wasn't there. So the two biggest, you know, uh, polluters other than America weren't there. And everybody else was there. The Zimbabweans brought 150 people and they had pictures of them uh, shopping in Costco or whatever the uh, version of that. So uh, Ted is in the and Boris Johnson was suddenly he seems to have become a, a, a I don't know what a, 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 a climate uh, um, you know, a promoter of, of climate change or something. I mean, what's going on here? Is this a nothing conference or what, what do we have to be worried about it? It's the 26th conference of its sort. It's held by the United Nations sponsored by the panel on climate change. And it results in nothing except for some <laughs> nice trips, I guess, to Glasgow in the winter for Zimbabweans. Uh, it's, it is a total bust. Huh? Nothing comes of it. It doesn't yield a thing. It's the worst case of UNEs. Yeah. Is, um, is, and um, we went back into Paris, the Paris Accord. Uh, are, mostly these mm-hmm. people probably are gathering to, the gathering to say to each other, how great is it that we can have the American money, right? Because that's all Biden's bringing is American money, right? Oh, yeah. No, he'll give money to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're legal or illegal. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's dishing. His printing presses are going. I mean, and, and of course, yeah. Yellen announced yesterday that the global tax is on. So, you know, there, there, there are the, you know, the, these kind of economic consequences. But we have the election. The Biden yeah. presidency is dead. Now, remember, I said it was never alive because he was never elected. Yeah. He's an illegitimate right. president. So now we have, you right. know, Brandon as president, <clears throat> but Biden was never really a president. Well, and, and but only the only thing I'd say when we'll go, I want to go to your piece. So the only thing I'd say about that is beware of uh, lame duck presidencies. You know, Susan Rice and Lisa Monaco at the Department of Justice and Susan Rice in the White House, they're having a heck of a good time. They're doing, you know, they're using the power of government against uh, the American people. And they, they may lose election after election now, but they they don't mind. All right. But let's turn. I want to turn to your piece. Um, you you wrote uh, with uh, Felipe Coelho, one of your partners. Uh, you've written books with him and other essays about um, three teacups and a tempest. And uh, talk to me about Asia now, uh, Ted. In our minds, Americans, Trump did turn us towards realizing that the communist Chinese regime was an enemy or was it, uh, you know, more than just a sort of competitor and a, and a, and a um, sort of a trade partner. We got that. But is, uh, do, we, do Americans understand what's happening? Walk, walk us through where we are in Asia. What's, what's, coming, what's coming on as you are writing this piece? Yeah. So I have two pieces. One is on the end of Europe. The other is on Taiwan, basically, as you can read both of them on American Greatness. Uh, and then you get, a, you know, kind of your daily briefing on the state of the world. In the case of, of Asia, we have a tinderbox. Unfortunately, it's also a nuclear tinderbox. And with those new submarines, you know, going down to Australia, there are also going to be a lot of them that are uh, carrying nuclear weapons. So the, the Chinese are waiting, I mean, you know, hardly... Uh, patiently for an opportunity, which I will, I, I'm actually going to say right here now, will come weeks after the genocide games in Beijing, which is coming up in the winter. Uh, they will be invading Taiwan. 
and we will have mm. hot warfare. And then the question is, what does the United States do? What does our lame duck president do? How do the Japanese react when we have, in fact, a major flashpoint in the world of Chinese aggression? So I've been writing about this for years, and nobody will listen. China is not our friend. China is not our competitor. China is not just some kind of adversary. China, the Communist Party of China, is our enemy. So uh, we're talking with Ted Malik, and again, uh, yeah, go ahead, keep going, yeah, yeah, please. Well, we're calling for in this article for Taiwan to step forward and to declare its sovereignty, its independence, so that we can lay down uh, a bookmarker. Then the United States should recognize <laughs> that independence and say very clearly, we will come to your defense and have other nations follow suit. Put the Chinese under uh, that kind of pressure. Well, right now, if it happens now with the way things are, and you do have, you know, you have some leaders in the Congress, mostly Republicans, but even some Democrats who are stronger than Joe Biden. But if it happened right now, it wouldn't be a contest, right? I mean, China would roll over Taiwan and then we'd be we'd be talking about, um, well, you know, that was really not nice of them. Let's do sanctions, right? Be over in two weeks unless we defend Taiwan, arm Taiwan and come to their defense. So that's a decision that has to be made and it has to be vocalized and it has to be amplified. Uh, do you trust Biden to make that case? No. Would Trump have said it? Absolutely. He said it even after, you know, his leaving office. Um, so, but would we, I mean, again, if you, you know, if who would be the one that would have to call for, uh, recognition. It would be the it would be the White House, right? It would, and there's no reason to think they have any will to do that, right? Uh, well, yeah, it would be the White House and uh, other nation states around the world. Taiwan would, uh, you know, make application to the joint international organizations, UN, et cetera, et cetera, and other nations <clears throat> would then accept their independence. Uh, yeah, right now they're in this ambiguous in between status, which is ridiculous. You know, the two China policy its just absolutely absurd. It all goes back to Kissinger, so you can lay it on his lap. He basically thought right. that if we're nice to China and we make them our, you know, kind of trading partner, that eventually they'll become democratic. They'll be good guys. They'll play by our systems. We'll let them into the World Trade Organization. They'll be great trading partners and they'll become democratic. None of that has right. happened. Yeah. Oh, man, I've got a book over my shoulder. Phyllis Schlafly wrote on, on Kissinger, what a disaster his policies have been. But all right, Ted, I want to sh slide over. Uh, this week in Washington, I had a meeting with a friend of mine who's a member of the European Parliament, and it was as if he had read your piece, which came out a few days before, uh, called Ende Europa. And um, he said to me, he's a member of the European Parliament, from one of the nations you talked about, Poland, Hungary, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, um, he said... Uh, the EU is absolutely dominated by the Germans. They want no one else to succeed. And they will, their goal is to break everybody, you know, break their sovereignty. He said, that's just the reality of what it is. That's what your piece says. Wh where does that end up though? I mean, at, when I pushed him a little bit, I, he, he basically admitted it's all about the money, right? I mean, you can't, you, the economies of Germany and, uh, and then the collective, you know, France and others in the EU, it, it, it dominates these smaller nations. And so where does this end up? Well, it ends up over time with the European uh, Union coming apart 
And we have a, a glimpse of that, of course, in Brexit. So I think you could say put any European country's first two initials in front of the word exit and you have <laughs> a history line right. on the future of Europe. The European Union and its globalist ideology are in tatters. You know, it's dying. You can watch it dying right before our eyes. At recent Economist polls, I said most Europeans said the union wouldn't even exist in 15 years. My question is, why wait so long? <laughs> and well, and they have a problem with their they have a problem with their nation. I, I tell people all the time, your nation state, you're losing it in places where you've allowed rampant immigration of people that don't assimilate. They don't even care to get involved in the culture. You know, you've got whether you're talking about France or, or, or familiar. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. See, part of my yeah. argument here is that the American left, you know, our socialist friends in Congress need to look at the European Union, because if they want to copy that, that's where they want to take America. That's the same ideology, the same wokeism, the same demise. And I think, you know, we got yeah. a good message on Tuesday night that the American people said, no, thanks. Well, that's right. Except that again, I'd say this. I, I agree with you on all that, except I, I, I did an interview and I said, yeah, except the border's still wide open. I mean, you know, they got rebuked. But they didn't change much yeah. behavior. They got the borders wide open. They got a gender strategy for America. They're, you know, they're, the Department of Justice is targeting all the wrong things. And, uh, you know, I don't know. They're spending billions of dollars at uh, climate change events when at home we've got all sorts of other problems. So, um, you know, the, the rise of the executive branch's power is, is working against us yet again. Yes, uh, and I agree. But there are a lot of, say, more moderate, more reasonable, more sensical Democrats who are saying that's not our party. We're not doing that to our country. And all the independents have basically said that. So wait a year until next November, because it's not going to be a red tsunami. It's going to be a earth shattering event. I'm claiming right now you hear it from me. A hundred will move. A hundred in the house, in the house, in the house. That's correct. Wow. Wow. Well, that is good. That's a good prediction. I'm going to write that one down. We we pick up the Senate by four to six senators. So we won't have any more of this nonsense. It'll be over. Unfortunately, between Mm -hmm. now and then, we have to throw some sand in the gears. But we have some help. Yeah. Well, and we also have to count on when when the Republicans get in, at least they can stop everything, but then a vision for the future. But uh, we'll see. All right, Ted Malik, I got to run. Dr. Ted Malik, I'll put it up on social media, everybody. He's writing over to American Greatness, two pieces, uh, one on Europe and one on Taiwan, uh, prescient as usual. And now we have a prediction. I'm writing it down. A hundred seats, a hundred seats next year in the midterms. Uh, thanks, Ted, as always. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Haven't checked in on the radio with my old friend Mark Schneider uh, at SubSchneider on uh, Twitter. He is the father of six children and uh, his wife is long-suffering, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but he is fa- I'd say he was famous, is famous, for having been one of the leaders in breaking the spell of America on the use of nuclear power. And it's just generally accepted. Joe Biden's administration has been pushing it. And we'll get to that in a moment. But, Mark, you also uh, have been a phenomenon on Twitter because you went on a health kick. So tell us that story, because it's pretty inspirational. Yeah. um, So January 1st, I looked in the mirror and I said, I don't like the way I look. I weigh 254 pounds and um, I literally, you know, you know, (laughs) wasn't able to keep my breath when I, you know, tied my shoes. And so I said, you know what, 
I'm going to start with running one mile a day. That was my trick. And, um, I'm down over 60 pounds and I mean, now I'm, you know, getting ready to run 10 miles a Saturday actually. So it's been awesome. Wow. It, and, uh, you, um, diet change too. Yeah. So, I mean, I changed my diet. Uh, I went lower carb. I don't like saying no carb because I think that that doesn't work, but I, I just learned kind of, you know, tricks to moderate. You know, I don't keep snacks that are bad for me in the house. Um, you know, I just think about what I eat and, uh, you know, exercise, drink lots of water. I cut alcohol out of my, uh, life because I think that, uh, that uh, had a lot of other negative consequences and it's just been uh, an amazing thing uh, as far as, you know, changing my whole personality and who I am. Huh? Wow. Well, it's, it's inspirational on your Twitter feed when you write about that. So, uh, uh, very cool. All right. Now I I thought it was good to get you on this week because all the nitwits are gathered in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, except for Russia and China who do tons of polluting too. And they're talking, congratulating each other on climate change. Is there anybody there talking about nuclear? Um, there are some people that are talking about nuclear and it's, um, it's the country's uh, that really do understand what is necessary to uh, decarbonize their energy. It's countries like Romania. It's countries like Poland, France, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, they really are. But then you have Angela Merkel coming over there, and you know they're getting ready to shut down half of their nuclear plants um, on the 31st of, of December this year, and the other half will be shut down uh, on December 31st of 2022, which will cause a spike in their carbon emissions. It's funny that Russia and China didn't show up because they're the two biggest producers of new nuclear power. China just announced that they're going to build 150 new large-scale nuclear reactors, which we got this $1.75 trillion infrastructure bill. For a trillion dollars, we could easily build 100 nuclear reactors and basically solve our energy crisis in the United States. And we'd have a modern you know, nuclear fleet, and we'd be competitive on the world stage. Oil we would be, you know, freed up for all sorts of other things, um, and it would just, you know, it would be an amazing thing if the U.S. would, you know, have leadership that would say, "Hey, we're going to build a hundred reactors." Well, and we're talking with Mark Schneider, and again at su- at Sub Schneider on Twitter, you can follow him there. He's got a, a great Twitter feed and uh, a lot on uh, uh, Gen Four nuclear and other stuff there. But but so Mark, so let's. I, I was congratulating you, but you're correcting me, I guess. It certainly is true that most people realize that nuclear power is really the only way to solve things uh, uh, going forward. But it doesn't mean that they're doing enough. And that's your point, right? I mean, we even Trump was for it, but didn't do too much. Biden doesn't seem to be against it. But your your argument is he's not that no one's really leading uh, dramatically on this. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. is I mean, no, we I, I think that the narrative has changed where people are now accepting that if we want to solve the, the carbon emission crisis, um, then we have to use nuclear. There is no other way to get there. Right. When solar won't do it. And I think right. we have. The people behind it, or the, you know, the population is okay with it now. But now we just have to, you know, put forth, you know, put our money where our mouth is. And that's where the problem right. is. There, there are no, you know, new nuclear reactors under construction outside of the ones that started under the Bush administration. And that's the second Bush, fortunately. But, I mean, that's, yeah. that's where we are. There's nothing, I mean, and there's first one set to go online, I believe, late this year, early next year. 
But, you know, everyone's saying, well, these are delayed, these are delayed. Well, yeah, because we haven't built these things in decades. So we have to get our industrial base up. And once we get it up, we can rapidly build these things. We've done it in the past. We know we can do it with things like aircraft carriers and subjects that are nuclear powered. So we have to get the experience base up. We're getting, frankly, getting our butts kicked by China and Russia that are in full-blown production mode. Uh, we're talking Mark Schneider at Sub Schneider on Twitter. Um, Mark, um, why uh, Elon Musk and uh, and Bezos, for all their um, interest in going to space, a lot of their stuff has been collaborative with the federal government, which means the feds have paid a lot of it. I mean, they've, they've incentivized it by helping helping uh, pay for it. There's nothing like that in nuclear, right? I mean, there's no Elon Musk doing nuclear, is there? I mean, there's no Bill Gates doing nuclear at this point, right? Who's saying, hey, I'll go and do this. I'll go convince the community, put these up if the government will help even just, you know, like these tax credits or something. There's none of that happening is at this point, right? Now, there, there really isn't. I mean, the closest thing to what's happening is, is that Rick Perry, when he was Secretary of Energy, uh, did a, a loan uh, to a federal loan to uh, Southern Energy to complete the uh, units at Vogel's unit, or Vogel U- 3 and 4, the two reactors that are under construction. But that's the best the federal government really does when it comes to nuclear. Our small scale, we'll give a, you know, small scale for the federal government, a few million dollars there, a few million dollars here. But, you know, we're talking, you want to build a nuclear reactor, a large scale reactor is going to take $10 billion. And there's no program out there going, we're going to inject $10 billion into this program, you know, so that we can start yeah. it. I know that people, a lot of people are against subsidies, like, you know, the, the, or the uh, renewables get $7 billion a year in subsidies. Nuclear gets zero subsidies. And a lot of people don't understand that, is that they get almost no subsidies from the federal government. And it, if we did some kind of subsidies, we could actually progress and work forward. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, are you uh, optimistic? I mean, you must have. You, you, I, I, I'll say it like this. There was a period of a year or two where you were you, uh, Mark Schneider, were and maybe two others were leading the country in the conversation. And it looked like, man, we broke it, breaking through. And it doesn't feel like we've moved much further. It was almost like you did. You got 50 yards and now you're still at the 50 yard line. Right. Are you optimistic? Are you is there a dynamic that you see that's going to change and make it make it move faster or work better or are you you know are you pessimistic so I'm, i am very optimistic and uh the big thing that i have seen recently is the embrace uh, of the crypto community to nuclear so they are the crypto community is all about using clean energy but they also want reliable energy and they are pushing hard for nuclear there's uh, a plant in pennsylvania a nuclear plant in pennsylvania one in ohio that have signed deals with crypto companies to start crypto mining uh, using their energy. And then uh, there was a big uh, announcement between a company called Oakwell that they're building advanced reactor. They have an advanced reactor that they're going to start building in 2023 when their license is approved that will right. allow uh, that they, they have a, like it's enough for like 200 of their units. Now their units are small, but if you can factory build these things. So I am optimistic but we're just in this, you know, best way to describe it, if you're going to use a football term, we took a timeout right now so that we can kind of assess. You know, we're on the 50-yard line. It's first and 10. We took a timeout because we got to, we got to center ourselves with a game plan. 
And I think that's where right. we are. Is we're just in kind of a timeout right now to kind of center ourselves, huh. and then we can push forward. But right now in the U.S., there's no push to build anything advanced or anything you know new, and so there's nothing injecting in there. There's no, you know, let's make uh. a play. Everyone's kind of like you know him and hawing over what the next step is, and I think there's groups that are kind of arguing over what's the next step. And I'm a guy that says, let's just do something. You know what? We've got Turkey yeah. Point down in uh, down outside of Miami. It's licensed to build two AP one thousand. Let's inject ten billion dollars into that and allow uh, Florida Power and Light to start building two nuclear reactors down there. Let's inject right. you know ten billion dollars into Dominion Energy to finish the VC Summer Project. And now we'd have four more reactors that are that are being built, and we we're making some kind of progress. And the thing is, it's yeah. momentum. Once you have momentum, right. we can keep pushing forward. All right. Well, speaking for momentum, I got to run, unfortunately. Mark Schneider, thank you, as always, at SubSchneider on Twitter. Uh, the guy's really good on this, and I'm glad to get an update, and I'm uh, sorry they didn't invite you to Glasgow, so uh, those those fools. But uh, I got to run. We'll take, a, we'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly, and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When you think of the communist Soviet Union, what do you think of? The gulags? The bread lines? The corruption? If you answer that question with the gender equality, you might be President Joe Biden's comptroller of the currency. The comptroller has the important job of regulating national banks, so a keen insight into monetary policy seems like a good prerequisite. However, Biden nominated Sola Omarofa for this position with full knowledge that in 2019 she posted a tweet that reads, quote, Until I came to the U.S., I couldn't imagine that things like gender pay gap still existed in today's world. Say what you will about the old USSR, there was no gender pay gap there. Market doesn't always know best, end quote. Omarova was born and raised in the Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic, which is present-day Kazakhstan. After this, she went to Moscow State University on a scholarship named the, quote, Lenin Personal Academic Scholarship before coming to the United States. One would think that her first-hand knowledge about communism would make her its biggest detractor. Instead, she thinks communists should be praised for treating women just as poorly as it treated men. Now, the late Phyllis Schlafly was an expert on both feminism and communism, so few Americans knew more about this than she did. Certainly, women in the Soviet Union made the same amount of money as men, but they were also forced out of their homes and into the workforce just like men. Also, like men, Russian women did not get to choose whether they took on a job in an air-conditioned office or a job collecting trash. All of their rights to make economic decisions were stripped away as communist principles demand. To say that these women in the Soviet Union were somehow better off than American women who have the choices that come with the free market is positively laughable. And the fact that Joe Biden entrusted our banking system to someone with obvious communist sympathies shows how out of touch he is with what the American dream and the free market system is all about. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The false promise of socialism is an illusion. It devalues hard work and creativity. 
It's the opposite of the American dream. As proven around the world, socialism breaks the human spirit. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're standing against the rise of socialism. For more, go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Let's finish up by taking a look at the question of whether the America, America is losing its culture. And maybe say it differently, are people worried about that? And then, so the Wall Street Journal had a piece written, uh, written by William Galston. And William Galston, he, he appears in the uh, Wall Street Journal quite frequently. I think he is uh, uh, one of their senior writers. But the, the reality is he writes this as a negative story because there is a survey that runs every year. I think it's an annual survey. It's called the American Values Survey. The Brookings Institution, where I think he works, uh, is left-leaning. And the Public Religion Research Institute, I don't know what that is, but it's probably public, also leaning that way. But the question uh, is, and, and the, what they reveal in this, is that a lot of people are worried about the American life. And, and a lot of people believe that they are losing the culture of America. 80% of Republicans say that America is in danger of losing its culture and identity. And 79% think that American way of life needs to be protected from foreign influences. How about that? Now, that's a big deal. But the reality is, so do Democrats. There's a whole bunch of Democrats that feel the same way. And that's what he didn't um, uh, get into. He didn't actually, I had to go back and click on the survey to make it sure, make sure that I understood what he was doing because he, he slid on to another question of immigration. And he said 78% of Democrats say that immigrants, uh, immigrants strengthen our society. And, uh, and 71% of Republicans believe that they weaken American society. Now, I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means. I don't know how that question is phrased. But I want to go back to this. If, if you really, if you think that the American culture is not threatened by the forces that have been unleashed by this modern 25-year period of technology, you're not paying attention. Because the technology of big tech and, and, and smartphones and everything else has dramatically transformed the way we live. It's dramatically transformed the values we have. I mean, so again, I went back to look, and it's something like 45% of Democrats are worried about America losing their culture. Now, so it's 80% of Republicans say that America is in danger of losing their, of their culture. And it's something like 40% of, that's a lot of people, 40% of Democrats. The point is, a lot of Americans are saying to themselves, what's happening to our culture? Now, you can say, if you want, that a lot of the uh, culture that people are holding on to, and Galston in this piece does, he says a bunch of Republicans refer back to the, the halcyon days of the 1950s. Again, I don't see that from the survey, but you can say that if you want. I think it's much more significant to acknowledge that we're living in a time where the American ethos that knitted us together, call it culture, call it our national identity, whatever you want, it is being torn largely by forces of big tech and big media and also big government. I mean, I, I, I go back to it all the time. You hear me say it. That's the narrative machine. It's all, but the narrative machine, big tech, big media, and big government, has the power to impact our culture so obviously. And so I don't think it's any surprise that the American people who have watched the corruption of big government 
and realized that it may just be truer today than ever that you have to be connected and not just talented. You have to be connected and not just hardworking. It it, it doesn't matter if it's not 100% true. What the American ethos always was, was you could do it. You could pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No one could really block you. It it was true if you were born into more wealth, you had a better chance. If you were born into a privileged community, you had a better chance. That was always luck or, you know, blessings, however you want to look at it. But America was that you could make it if you wanted to work hard, if you put your mind to it, all that. That's changed for people, their perception. I would argue that it happened in 2008 when the bailouts happened. The American people looked up and said, wow, the game is rigged. But then you watch big media and you watch big tech. And if you pull back from it, you say, these people are constantly trying to undermine aspects of our culture that, were very, that are very effective at holding us together. For example, the nuclear family and marriage and the, uh, the, the, an emphasis on patriotism, positivity. Remember, you can say, and I've heard people say it, that saying the Pledge of Allegiance every morning when you were a kid was a form of brainwashing, but it was brainwashing in a direction. The direction was towards an America that was united. Remember the teaching that we're a melting pot? We are a melting pot. It is a great image. But the melting pot part was that people that came here became part of America. They didn't become something else. In fact, they they disappeared into the melting pot. I don't mind that image. I think it's a good image. But I think America, I think the American people are very worried about our culture. They're very worried about the nation part of our nation state. And I think that's one of the reasons why CRT, for example, uh, critical race theory and all this left-wing teaching is real burden for the Democrats. All right, I'm out of time, unfortunately, but I'll put that piece up on social media. Uh, you'll be interested. And we will be back tomorrow. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great producer, to Joanna for helping book our guests, and you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.